Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on this week's Gagan Pressing, Bryce, Manu, and Chris are back to discuss match day 25 in the Bundesliga with in depth analysis of the Ralph Ragnick situation at Schalke, Marco Rosa and Gladbach's legal quagmire, will the fall stick or twist, with all the fallout from Bayern and Leipzig's weekend. And finally, we touch on some breaking news about an American investment in the league. That's all coming up in the next 50 minutes on Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is area manager and writer for Transfer Markt, Manuel Veth. Manu, how you doing? Doing really well, Bryce. Really well. How about you? How's it going? Not too bad. It's, it's been a good weekend. There's uh, been plenty of Bundesliga action for us to feast on. And my fantasy football team has done dreadful once again. So, you know, it's just a standard weekend, really. Are we still doing the fantasy football, Bryce? Some of us are. I've noticed that some of us definitely are not. And I'm looking at Chris and you. But um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on. It's a constant struggle. Whoever I pick doesn't particularly do very well. That's what I've noticed. Uh, I'm looking at you, Erling Haaland. I'm looking at you. Anyway, so let's get cracking. It's just a Manu and I, um, for this part of the podcast anyway, Chris did join, but on Saturday evening. Uh, so you will hear his voice uh, shortly as a Manu and I, or Manu and him, uh, break down uh, the Saturday action uh, and talk coaches mainly. But uh, before we do that, um, Manu, we're going to talk about uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munich won uh, 3-1 against Werner Bremen on Saturday. And it has to be said, it was rather light work, wasn't it? Uh, when it was coming up to halftime, they were 2-0 up. Uh, I did think that you know this is turning into a bit of a practice game and could be a bit of a landslide, but it didn't quite pan out that way. Manu, um, Bayern just... Being efficient, I suppose, with with this result. And, of course, Lewandowski getting in on the action for his 32nd goal. Something spectacular, eh? Yeah, it could have actually happened at 35 goals after this game. He hit the, hit the woodwork three times. Fantastic. I mean, this was a great performance by Bayern Munich. It never really seemed in doubt. Of course, yeah, we had a did score. The obligatory goal against Bayern. Uh, it just seems like it's part of of their plan now, match plan to concede at least one. But we we do need to talk about Lewandowski a little bit here, Bryce, because he's now um, he's now has got the same amount of goals as Klaus Fischer, two hundred sixty eight goals. But um, he did it a little bit quicker. He just took eleven years for it. Fischer needed nineteen years and five hundred thirty five games, and um, Lewandowski did it in eleven years and. Just 345 games, um, you know, just another record. Seems like it just seems like a routine thing now that whenever we talk about Robert Lewandowski, that you know he's broken some sort of record or another. And yeah, uh, at 32, remember the record set by Gerd Müller for a single season, um, 40 goals scored was in 1971-72, and 
I think he's going to get it, Bryce. Yeah, it, it, it must be said when we talk about uh, Lewandowski, it's, uh, we all know how good he is, but I think the weeks go by, don't they? And we maybe don't mention him because he's went and scored again, you know, and you, it almost passes you by. It's something that you expect. You, it, it's more of a surprise if he doesn't score. But yeah, 32 goals, 25 games. That It means I've got nine games left. You know, I think he's going to reach 40. I mean, it just takes for him to get a brace here or there. And, you know, he's he's more or less on it. Manu, how many goals do you think he can possibly score this season? I mean, I think he's going to get the record. I I think it's going to be probably 41, 42. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, you always have to keep in mind, too, he has to stay healthy, right? But you know, even a thirty goal reaching a thirty goal mark is is a huge achievement. It's only been done twelve times prior in in the entire Bundesliga history. And um, when I was young, and I said this last week on the show already, twenty goals were a lot of goals. And it wasn't really until the Lewandowski slash Aubameyang era that strikers all of a sudden started reaching the thirty goal mark again, right? And he's now done it more than once. And um, that is already quite an achievement in itself. You know, you look at the entire 90s and early 2000s, not a single striker got to 30 goals. Um, I remember Freddy Bobic won, won it once with just 17 goals, right? So it is it is pretty extraordinary achievement, even as he's where he is right now. And yeah, he scores a goal every 62 minutes, a prize in the Bundesliga, right? Um, it's It's an extraordinary feat. Yeah, it really is. Extraordinary is the word for it. It's uh, it's almost unbelievable. It's like something you would see in FIFA or Football Manager, isn't it? It's it's, it's a bit a bit unusual. Uh, Manu, this um, was obviously a cruise control for them, um, but going into the Champions League on uh, midweek on a Wednesday night, they're they're four one up against Lazio. I'd imagine that'll be cruise control in that game as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you scored four goals on the road, right, and and this is the, the next one is a home game for them. Lazio have to essentially score four unanswered goals to go through, and I mean, it does. There is miracles in football, but I don't, I don't see it, Bryce. So you would imagine they would go through there too, and then obviously um, they're now in the business end of the season, right? Um, Champions League quarterfinal. Um, there's some interest. There's going to be some interesting opponents in there, and um, hopefully they go deep in that competition. Because as we're going to talk about in a little bit later in this podcast, we want to see a title race, and I think we're only going to get a title race if Bayern Munich are involved in lots of games. Yeah, this is it. I, I think the them staying in the Champions League can only be a good thing for their competitors in, in the Bundesliga. Eh? But uh, yeah, as I said, they're going to be playing in the Champions League uh, next against Lazio on Wednesday night. And before that, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach will be playing Man City. They need to turn around a 2-0 deficit. So yeah, they've got their work cut out for them as well. But uh, as I said, Manu, you and Chris um, talked um, coaches uh, and talked about um, some of the Saturday action on Saturday evening. So we're, we're going to cut to that now. And I believe you guys started off with Schalke. Oh, per Schalke. Anyway, um, over to you guys. Gilavogi looking for Mamedi, and that's awkward. And it's a horrible own goal and a horrible moment for Skodran Mustafi. And all of Schalke's hard work is undone in one moment of madness. And it's Wolfsburg who leads. 
And I'm once again joined by Chris Williams. Chris, it's so good to have you back on the show once again. Um, you know, I really miss hanging out and speaking the last two weeks, this week and the last week. It's been so nice to just have the ability, you know, not to just message and text, but actually speak on the show and on the podcast. But yeah, how's it going, man? It's great to hear your voice. Yes, thank you. It's nice to be back. Um, obviously, I mean, for people who listen regularly, I think they probably know now that I edit the podcast anyway. So even when I'm not here, um, you know, people can still hear me um, or, or I can still hear you guys. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be back on. And um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm well, not unfortunately, but I'm working Sunday. So this means we have to go again on Saturday evening. Yeah, but I mean, we have a lot to talk about. Let's be honest here, Chris. I mean... I think when we put together the topics for this podcast, we, are, we had a quite a lot of moments as moments of, of laughter and diving deep into the Bundesliga history because there is historic stuff happening in Gelsenkirchen at the moment. I don't think it's the kind of history that you want to be involved with, but it is historic nonetheless. And uh, it's it was kind of fun looking at the 65-66 season because that's the year that my team won the league, right? Uh, 1860. But... <laughs> We were not looking at the top of the table, were we, Chris? <laughs> no, we were looking at the bottom <laughs> of the table. You're looking at Tasmania Villain. Um, they were very happy this year that Schalke did not break the record of what was it, 32 games in a row that they didn't win a game. But it, it, Schalke are in real danger of breaking a bunch of records this year. Um, I think they've only they've only won one game this year. Um, Tasmania in their season won two. Um, 108 goals conceded by Tasmania. Schalke at 66. Chris, are Schalke going to concede 100 goals? What do you think? <laughs> I don't think they'll concede 100 goals. Um, although, you know, it's another weekend where they've conceded an absolute hatful. They seem to be getting battered, don't they? I mean, 66 goals obviously says they are, but they were beaten all the way back at the start of the season, 8-0. We've had a few 4-0s, a 5-0, a 6-0. Um, it's it's really bad. And they've brought players in to try and stop that, some more elder statesman, experienced players who know the club, and they're now scoring own goals. Yeah, Mustavi had an absolute stormer. Uh, I always joke Mustavi made Germany, Germany world champion the moment he got injured after the quarterfinal of the World Cup. Um, that's harsh, but... You see performances like today and you, you hear the stories that came out of Gelsenkirchen that Mustafi was part of uh, the player revolt that got um, goals sacked, right? And eventually led to Kamotsis taking over. And we had that 0-0 last week um, between Mainz and Schalke. And then we had this result today. And Mustafi was an absolute horror show. I mean, this is this is, was probably the worst performance by a defender that we've seen all season. Is that a fair assessment, Chris? Let's be honest. He's he's had a stinker today, hasn't he? And that own goal, um, it's just really strange because, I mean, you said yourself, he's a national team player. He's played in the Bundesliga. He's played in the Premier League. He's played in the Champions League, played in the Europa League. You know, he's played at all the highest levels. Um, and... Who heads the ball back to a goalkeeper from there at that sort of range, at that sort of power? I was listening to the commentary. Um, Fiona Goldbeck was saying he, you head that towards the linesman or towards a corner flag. You don't head it towards your own. I mean, it's a brilliant goal. He puts it the only place the keeper can't get it. But, you know, goalkeeper's six, seven yards out because he's controlling his area. It's just fundamental. I can't even say it's a lack of concentration. I genuinely do not know 
um, when what he did, what goes through his head, I genuinely do not know. Yeah, that's what's. I mean, it's been like that all season for everyone, everyone at Schalke. It's been just, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just think, okay, well, this, it literally can't get any worse, right? They are now at a moment where it just can't, it, they have reached a low point. It can't get any worse. And then it does. It does actually get worse. And someone tweeted today, our oh, friend Kara had tweeted today, who we had on the show, <laughs> at least the storyline isn't another Schalke 04, you know, Schalke 04. At least it was 05. At least people can't make fun of that. That's where they are right now. And it's really, it's gotten to a point now where we can't really say, how, how are they going to dig themselves out of this? And it's, I mean, we know now essentially that they're going to go down to Bundesliga 2. The question really is, are they going to break records um, while they're doing it? You know, is the record going to get any worse? Is Tam- Tasmania Berlin, I know they're 32 games in a row, uh, losing streak is safe and they're very proud of that at Tasmania, but uh, there's a lot of other records that Schalke could still beat. And, you know, we're getting to that question now. What about the rebuild? And Chris, we talked, we heard those rumors today. And we're going to get into the smaller details of the rumors and what's going on at Schalke because it's, it's yet another mess. But Ralf Rangnick um, was rumored today, uh, yesterday to take over Schalke, um, having come to a verbal agreement with members of the club. And again, we're getting into the details of what that actually means because it's complicated. But surely Rangnick would be one of the very, very few people that could step at, in at Gelsenkirchen and possibly fix this club. Yeah, 100%. It goes one of two ways, I think. Um, If he does come in, and if he can't fix it, then I don't think anyone can, and they are the next Kaiserslautern, and they'll drop down, and there'll be a once massive club that just languishes between the third and fourth tier, um, depending on what type of season it's had. But I do think he's probably the only person that could fix it. Obviously, he's got history with the club, knows it, won, um, I was going to say silverware, but it's goldware, isn't it? He won a Pokal. So, you know, he, he's real, um, he's, got, he's got a winning habit. We've seen what he did at Hoffenheim. We've seen what he's done at Leipzig. Um, I think he would be the right person, but a little a bit like when someone asked me, would he be a good person for the German national team? I said, yes, he would, but he likes his own specific way, doesn't he? I said he was very precise, as in he's very precise because he likes it done in a very formulaic way and he likes to own certain areas or be in charge of certain areas, which will inadvertently rub other members of the board up because he will want to take that job from them. And he'll go, actually, I'm going to pull this in. I might just be a sporting director, but I'm also going to look after this little bit and this little bit and this little bit and also this little bit as well. So he becomes more than that. He becomes almost head of soccer, which is pretty much what he was at Leipzig for a time. So it's will people at Schalke accept that, the, the current board members? And you know, as we were talking before we came onto this, um, some of them are not are not ready to accept that, are they? Yeah, I think when you when you look at Schalke and this Rangnick story, people always ask me, where is the problem? Where lies the problem in Schalke? Why is this such a difficult club to manage? And, you know, when you look at this Rangnick story, that's it for me. You know, Schalke are currently embroiled in a war over whether or not Rangnick will become the next director of sport. And Rangnick himself was approached by a group of financiers and politicians to take over the club, which 
in itself suggests to me that there is also a group of people with money and power willing to rescue the club financially, put money into the club, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't do this. The problem is that um, the one person in the board that is actually supporting this, Gizinos, he has been faced with significant oppositions by the like, uh, likes of the CEO uh, or current board director, right? Um, to, to do translators, Dr. Jens Buchter, who is very much opposed to this. And um, there is claims that they have a working agreement with RB Leipzig sporting director, Markus Grösche, who has done a fantastic job at Leipzig, don't get me wrong. But whether that agreement is actually in place or not is an entirely different question. But you're quite right. I mean, Rangnick, it suggests to me that there is a group of powerful people that want Rangnick in there. And then there is people on the board that don't necessarily have the financial backing, that don't want Rangnick at the club. And it's an 11-member board, right? It's a, it's a huge board. It's like Schalke are one of the few clubs that are still completely membership-run. I mean, all the other clubs in German football are too, but... They, most other clubs have some sort of uh, legal structure that actually runs the operations of a football club. Schalke is still a completely membership run with an 11-member board. And Chris, I can the, the opposition to Rangnick, and we were both talking about this to each other, very much comes down, I think, to people really just being worried about what it would mean if Rangnick becomes director of sport. Because if a big, powerful group of politicians and investors back him to take over, they would always want him to make all the decisions, right? And that would mean a lot of people on the board would lose power. Yeah, most definitely. And you, you've said there that there's 11 members of the board. And if Ragnit came in, I reckon they'd probably not need four or five of them. And, and how's that going to work out? Um, and of course, they're all elected members. Just looking through the Schalke um, website and the hierarchy there, most of them are still under contract or have, or have been assigned to supervisory board until the end of this summer or the summer after. So to ask some of them to go or to tell some of them they're not going to be as involved as maybe they thought um, will be quite an interesting decision for anybody to take. Yeah, and some of the language that was used, um, Gizinus was attacked from the head of the board using the words, and I mean, we're quoting the reports from newspapers, and this is several newspapers, right? This isn't just one. This is the, the VAZ. Um, the build ran the story. We've heard we've heard similar reports coming through channels at Transfermarkt. So this is this is various reports. You know, this is not just a paper claiming this. This is you know, there's some significant reporting out there, and like sources telling uh, reporters that this has been going on. But some of the words, Chris, um, Gizinus was attacked, and the words were said massively attacked for treason and conspiracy. I mean, what's going on? You have the opportunity to sign Rangnick, Rangnick and potentially resurrect this club, I reckon, with financial backing, and they're just throwing it out. And it's gotten to a point now, Chris, where there's an online petition out there. Do you see that? That's crazy. That's mental. There's there's 21,000 people that signed an online petition to get Rangnick on the board of Schalke. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So now we've got petitions, we've got the word treason and and also i mean i haven't heard that since i've not watched a history documentary you had the word treason you think about you know the middle ages it's it's real odd um it's a mess it's a mess on the pitch it's a mess off off the pitch but it's been a mess off the pitch for 18 24 months and that's reflected on the pitch but the planning's been poor before that 
Um, and they've now got a real chance to fix that. If you look what Ragnick's done previously, as I said, he, you know, he's gone in and he's stabilised and he's built. And let, let's be brutally honest now, Schalke next season are going to have very little amount of money coming in, that their finances are already stripped to the bone. They need to be able to bring in a director of sport who can work with people who can identify um, not only great players that they've got in their wonderful academy in the Nafschmieder that they can start to bring through. But look at all the young, inexpensive talent that the Red Bull franchise has picked up and sold on for millions upon millions. And if Schalke want to repair themselves, it might not be the model they want to go through, but that's exactly what they need. They need the right sort of personnel to identify talent, bring them through, get them up the league, and then if the offer comes in for big bucks, sell them and get the money back in. Because we're not just on about a club who can't win a game of football. We're on about a club who four, five, six months ago couldn't even pay their drivers and had to lay them off. Yeah, it's it's such a mess. And um, I'm really curious to see how this plays out over the next 48 to you know, 72 hours. I reckon there will be some decision one way or another. It's um, Schalke don't fail to entertain in that regard, do they? And yeah, it's I'm, I think this will be a club that will probably going to be part of the show for quite some time, you know, in a similar way as Hamburg were before they finally went down. And it's, it's going to be an interesting one to follow. But Chris, it's not the only crazy storyline that we followed this week um, very closely. I mean, Gladbach, they now slipped to 10th place. 33 points, lost to Augsburg on Friday. It seems like, I mean, I get it, these tweets sent to me. It's like, oh, this is just a normal Gladbach Rückrunde. Um, I, I I disagree. They finished fourth last year and, you know, qualified for the Champions League. This is not a normal Rückrunde. And all of it they really started when Marco Rose decided to take the Dortmund job. Let's don't, let's don't call it anything else. That's really when it all started, didn't it? And have we gotten to a point now where we, where we have to say maybe it, it, it's we did the two have to go separate ways? And the more important question is, can they? Yeah, it's a really intriguing dynamic because you're quite right. Gladbach are in a mess now. Haven't won a game since they beat Stuttgart in the round of sixteen in the DFB Pokal. You know, their eight wins, sorry, their eight games um, without a win in all competitions. Their last Bundesliga victory came. Um, it was a very good victory against Borussia Dortmund um, back in late January. You know they've been beaten by some sides they shouldn't. Um, Leipzig, okay, you could maybe say potentially. You know they're, they're playing very well at the moment, but they were beaten by Mainz. They're beaten by Köln. They're beaten by Leverkusen in that derby previous week, um, which could have gone either way. But you would have expected with the pressure that's on that club for them to do that. They were getting beat. On Friday against Augsburg, came back into it. Great goal by Neuhaus. And I think his reaction when they scored, like he was really pumped for that. And it looked like the team were playing good football at times, but they were just picked apart 3-1 in the end. And, you know, they totally dominated that game. So if you look at the way they played previously, so that game against Mainz, they were god-awful. They were terrible. And there was absolutely nothing to be even remotely excited about. Um, and similar to the game against Manchester City, I think they just thought we're going to get beat here and we'll give up their total passengers. Well, that game against Augsburg, they were actually quite good, but they just couldn't take their chances. Now, for me, 
has Rosenau gone as far as he can? Because it's not his fault. That 3-1 defeat on the on Friday night, I don't think his fault because his players can't finish their dinner. But they're now in such a, a low rut of confidence and he's going anyway in eight weeks. And it is a bit of a mess. It's a complete mess, really. Um, and they play Manchester City next, then they've got Schalke and then we've got an international break. I don't know if he survives that international break, whether he wants to, whether... Max Eber wants him to survive it, but it's all because he's leaving and it's just this real strange cloud. And we've seen in the last 24 hours or 48 hours, people start to ask some questions like, well, can he leave? Does this impact the 5 million euro compensation payment that, that um, Gladbach are going to get from Dortmund for poaching their manager? Are they going to keep him because of that? What happens if they finish outside? Well, they are now going to finish outside of Europe. Who's going to take that job? There's so many connotations because the the coaches that have been linked with it, Oliver Glasner, Adi Hutter, I would not walk out of Wolfsburg or Frankfurt at the moment and take the um, Gladbach job next season. They're not going to be in Europe. Who's going to be players potentially not going to be there. Neuhaus not going to be there. Turam could go. Um, you know, Zoma could even go. There's going to be so many players that will get poached from that club that, that they could have no squad and, and who's going to, and I certainly wouldn't swap that if, if I'm a top coach at the minute in the Bundesliga at all. Yeah, you raise an interesting point um, about whether they can let go of Rose. <clears throat> the compensation, right, that Borussia Dortmund are going to pay. And if Gladbach, we have this beautiful word in, in German, Chris, Beurlauben, uh, send someone on holiday, right? Um, because the coach doesn't get fired. Like getting getting fired doesn't mean your contract is automatically terminated, right? You're still under contract um, until you reach an agreement um, to dissolve the contract. And usually that's quite hard for clubs to do because coaches want to stay under contract until they find a new club, right? Because they, they make good money. And, and we have lots of stories where, you know, Coaches had to pay paid out of their still existing contracts after being first sent on holiday or sent on leave, right, uh, gardening leave, um, to be eventually then being paid out. But uh, in this instance, it's very different because essentially, if Gladbach um, sent Rosa on gardening leave, Rosa will have any incentive to terminate the contract right away. Because it would save his future club a lot of money, Borussia Dortmund, right? So this option by for Gladbach to send him on leave and then oh, essentially hoping that he's still under contract until the end of the season is still receiving receiving the fee from Dortmund is is not going to happen if they fire him, right? And I mean, there's there's now being lawyers being asked already by German media. Uh, Sport 1 ran a really good story about this today, and asked lawyers whether or not Rose can be believed, relieved of his duties, but whether then Dortmund would still receive money. The answer that Sport 1 has been getting is, well, we don't really know. Um, there's a wonderful phrase that says in German, "Recht haben und Recht bekommen" are two different things. So to be right and to be given or to be told to be right by the court are two very different things. And I think this is really what it comes down to. And are Gladbach going to take the risk to relieve Rose and maybe not getting the money? And especially if they don't reach the Europa League, 
they might need that money. I think they do need that money because to qualify now, um, especially after this defeat against Augsburg, you'd expect them to pick up three points against Schalke, but that would just typify Gladbach's season if that didn't happen before the international break. But I think that moment for them now to qualify for the Europa League is gone. So you might think, oh, it's only €5 million, Euros, which in the grand scheme of things to do with football, you know, is probably negotiated over for three minutes in a transfer deal. But if you're going to be stripped of what you've had this season, let's not remember, they are now in the last 16 of the Champions League and all the good stuff that brings, um, you know, the, the three and a half million euros per win, the the television rights for making a knockout stage, it's a lot of money. To have none of that next season um, will be real hard for them to overcome. So they can't kiss off five million euros just for the sake of it because they don't have any comfort blanket of any television rights next season apart from what they're going to earn from the Bundesliga which isn't going to be astronomical so it's a lot of money to them and they won't want to make the wrong decision obviously they won't want to keep him if if results carry on the way they are although you know the the board have said we stick by him and we think he can turn it around and Rosa himself has said I've been in sticky situations before and I've turned it around and they won't want to sack him if it means they miss out on that money. And, you know, he won't want to be sacked because I was speaking about this last week with someone I know. He will then go to a new club sacked, as in he was sacked from his previous role. And at the minute, you know, I know Bryce and yourself are probably going to touch on Dortmund later on in the section in the podcast, but Dortmund stand on the cusp, really, of winning the Pokal. And if Terzic wins the Pokal and he's still hanging around next season and Dort- and Rosa comes in and it's a little bit rocky start, then people are going to start saying, why Why is the guy that won the Pokal on the training field putting out cones and this new coach can't win a game? Yeah, you're quite right. I mean, that, that is something that is, we, we've been critical of Terzic early on, but he's turning things around and um, we're going to talk about Dortmund in a moment, but it's, it's going to create... A fascinating dynamic, and I think Rose will have to avoid getting sacked by Gladbach in order to keep his position at his new club alive. And obviously, Gladbach don't want to sack him because of the money. So, yeah, it's a really intriguing storyline as well because of everything that we've mentioned. But, yeah, Chris, I think that does it for this segment. Uh, once again, it was fantastic to hear your voice. and. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on the podcast full-time for, for the full chat with Bryce as well. Haaland is a good one. Falls nicely for Brandt now. Royce, Brandt on the outside. It's all a little tight. Brandt's gone for it on his own. Oh, Brandt scores a missile to put Dortmund in front out of absolute nowhere. Manu, let's talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund a little bit. Um yeah, obviously a victory for them, the late kickoff on Saturday, 2-0 um, against Hertha Berlin. Uh, and Mokoko uh, probably getting most of the headlines uh, in him scoring in the 91st minute. Um, Manu, it, it seems like Borussia Dortmund are a little bit better than what they had been. They went through a, a, quite a slump and they, these things seem to be on an upward trajectory now uh, compared to before. Yeah, I think that was a very good result for them. And uh, Mukuku's goal in the end was was a very nice goal. You kind of almost wish that Aiden Tesic had made the decision to bring on Mukuku rather than uh, Tige in, in the Classica, right? Because it would it offered them a very different um, output up front. And he sealed the game in the end. Um, surprisingly, no goal from Haaland. It doesn't happen very often. But... 
Yeah, it entails it. I mean, we, Chris and I just talked about Rose and um, all the problems at Gladbach, right? And it's it seems like Terzic has really gotten his ex in order at Dortmund now. And, um, you know, as we're going to chat about uh, Leipzig and Frankfurt in just a moment, but they're, going to, they're putting up the pressure on the top four. And it does look like when you look at the current trajectory that Dortmund are going to crack that top four, right? And make the Champions League, which is so very important for them because it would allow them to keep Haaland, maybe Sancho, keep the, the squad together and then maybe hopefully one day actually mount a title challenge, right? Uh, so this is this is a, was a very good result against the Hertha side that didn't didn't really offer much, right? I mean, Rune Jarstein, um, the goalkeeper, had a good game until that that ball by uh, by Brandt that completely surprised him, and then then towards the end when Mokuku uh, scored through his legs. Um, which was very low goal probability, I assume. And then, um, of course, that red card against Darida. Um, Paul Dardai, very unhappy after the match, um, said that they have to be better. Um, Hertha are under a lot of pressure now, right, because um, of the Bielefeld result against Leverkusen. And, um, yeah, this is this is like an all-around very good performance by everyone. So um, I think... For Dortmund, this is the best case scenario, and for Dor- for Hertha Berlin, it's almost the worst case. Well, that's it. That was Makoko's uh, third goal of the Bundesliga season so far. Um, you know, quite the feat for a, a guy of his age. But uh, Manu, I must say that it, it seems like Dortmund are managing him well. They've not thrown him in at the deep end. They seem to be giving him some time here or there. They're not letting uh, pressure or headlines get to him. Um, I, I like what they're doing there. Yeah, I like it too. I think it's it's they're doing it the right way. I mean, this is this was his third Bundesliga goal. No, he's 16 years old, Price. I mean, that's incredible, right? So he's getting the right amount of playing time. He's giving he's been given time. And um the news, of course, this week was that um he's going to be called up to the U21 national team and or he's going to be allowed to be called up to the U21 national team by Borussia Dortmund. They needed approval from Dortmund first and um, there's a potential that he's going to the U21 European Championships this summer. And um, I think he's going to get some playing time there. He's not an automatic starting. You know, U21 players are by and large, and especially this year because of the, the because of the um, cool COVID situation, the players are a little bit older, right? So this is like a professional tournament. So don't think he's going to be an automatic starter necessarily, but it's going to be a very good experience for him. And um, something that he can learn from and you know getting tournament experience is so important um, for the development of of a national team player and um, I think we all know that sooner or later or rather sooner rather than later Mukuku is probably going to make his debut in the A national team as well and yeah it's exciting for him I think he's he's developing into quite a talent he's like being able to develop in Haaland shadow and we, it's good for Dortmund to know that hopefully they might make the Champions League so we get Haaland maybe for another year in Dortmund, right? Um, but it's good that, you know, if you have another year of Haaland, Mukuku should be ready to step in by the time Haaland leaves and then they have a striker that can produce on a regular basis and um, someone that Germany is very excited about because he's such an amazing talent. It's a very exciting times for the young man. Yeah, it looks like he's going to have a great future ahead of him. Let's uh, let's hope that it's uh, that is the case. Um, 
Manager, we talked about you managing him well, and one of the men uh, that will be involved in, in managing, you know, his, his game time will be uh, Terzic. And w- we know that he's moving on in the summer. Uh, Marco Rosa is coming into Dortmund. But what does it mean for Terzic's future? Do we know exactly where he's going to fall? Or can you see another Bundesliga side maybe taking him on? Well, as it stands, he's not moving on, Bryce. He's, he's staying with um, Borussia Dortmund as an assistant coach. But as for now, right? Because I think other teams are, are looking at Adam Terzic and saying, hmm, he's doing a pretty good job now, right? So maybe there is um, an optional possibility for him for him here to like maybe take over this club and I mean I've seen the, the joking joking rumors joke maybe not joking about him maybe going to Borussia Mönchengladbach right taking over there um, instead of Marco Rosa and yeah I think people are noticing him but the the, the, the current plan is for Eden Terzic to actually stay on at Borussia Dortmund and become part of Marco Rosa's coaching team. Yes, indeed, that would be fantastic if uh, Borussia Dortmund could hold on to Terzic, you know, and have Marco Rosa there, wouldn't it? But let's move to Sunday's uh, big game uh, and talk about RB Leipzig, who took on Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously, we want RB to keep going, keep winning, so they can push champions Bayern Munich as far as they can for a title challenge. The game ended one-one, though. Uh, Manu, this this is a bit of a missed opportunity, isn't it, for Nagelsmann uh, and Leipzig? They're now four points behind uh, champions Bayern Munich. It, it's not the end of a title race, but yeah, it's just a shame they couldn't have picked up another two points. Yeah, it's. I think it was a frustrating day for for Leipzig. Um, just days after a very frustrating result against Liverpool, where they also were kind of playing unemotional. And I get it that the Bundesliga is, you know, where it is to add for them this year. And I think, you know, going out in the Champions League, it really isn't the end of the world in the grand scheme of things, even if it was against a Liverpool side that that did lack confidence. But the ultimately, the result in the Champions League and going out early will be measured against the success in national competitions, right? And they have... I think a very good opportunity to dethrone Bayern Munich from the top of the Bundesliga table, and they have a good opportunity to win the the DFB Pokal, and you know that winning the cup in Germany is is a big deal. It's a very big deal. So there is a chance for picking up at least one trophy, and I think if they do pick up at least one trophy, we will not really care about what happened in those two games against Liverpool, and that's really what. This, the context is very important, right? So seeing them play the way they play today, that is really the frustrating bit then, isn't it? Because, yeah, the Champions League is not the end of the world, but then you have to kind of move on and really keep up the pressure on Bayern. And Chris and I kind of pointed out last week that the, the beauty of the Bundesliga match plan right now is that one of them is, seems to be playing first and then the other one has to respond. And this time Bayern played first, right? And then Leipzig had to respond. And their response wasn't ideal. Um, I mean, on the one hand, they picked up a point against Frankfurt, a, a game that Bayern Munich lost, right? So you could maybe kind of, if you're very optimistic, say, well, they gained a point here. But on the other hand, they also lost two points to Bayern in the table. Um, the gap of four points, I don't think that's 
insurmountable. That, that there's definitely still a lot of a challenge there because Bayern Munich's schedule is very tough going in, and they, Bayern Munich still have the Champions League. But you kind of hope that they would put on that pressure because next week Leipzig play on a Friday against Arminia Bielefeld. We assume they will win that game, so they could go, could have gone first on a virtual table, putting even more pressure on Bayern Munich, who of course also had a midweek Champions League game. And I think that's really when people look at the Bundesliga table now, and we have listeners from around the world, um, a lot of listeners from the United States, a lot of listeners from the UK. And, you know, the, the one crit, the one thing that people always criticize is that it is a one-team league. Bayern always win it, right? And um, it doesn't help all our cause to say that, that this isn't quite true when you currently look at the Bundesliga table and it's four points. And you think the title race isn't quite over, um, far from it, but it does sting a little bit if you if you are neutral and you wanted an exciting race and you see Leipzig essentially dropping two points because they were where you know they were had opportunities today against the Frankfurt side that is very very good yeah I, th- I think that's the most frustrating thing isn't it I, I completely understand you know what you're saying Manu is that you know they picked up a point against uh, Frankfurt Bayern Munich didn't you know which is very true but uh, yet you almost have to be flawless, don't you, to beat uh, Bayern Munich? And they played very well. I don't think uh, Frankfurt turned up until they were one 0 down. If I'm being honest, um, so I think the game was there for for Leipzig to to win. And yet playing Armenia and then facing uh, Bayern, it would have just set it up a bit nicer than what it is at the moment but hey there's still a lot to play for and we'll just hope that the title race goes as close um, to the wire as possible yeah so uh, Manu obviously Chris and you talked uh, about Schalke you talked about you the sporting director role there uh, Ragnik which yeah we'll possibly get their hopes up if if that one doesn't come through but uh, another name that you mentioned uh, from RB Leipzig was Marcos Krulsha and he has um, come out and uh, said what his status is on the potential of taking over there yeah he's basically taking his name out of the race right he said he's not available um he's a, has done a very good job putting this this particular Leipzig side together taking over from Ralf Rangnick at Leipzig um, so there's an interesting parallel right there. And yeah, I, I guess it that means that Schalke's really only option is Rangnick, I guess, in the moment, even if there is some debate and opposition within the board. It will be interesting to see how what this news bit does to the, the, the part that we discussed earlier on at the show. But um, we also have to mention that Leipzig have actually signed a new player for the new season, Bryce and, and Brian Brobby from Ajax Amsterdam. Um, very talented center forward powerful center forward i think a lot of a lot of people and teams in europe were, were after this guy and um, has been coming off the bench eric ten Hag, the the ix coach been using him off the bench quite a bit and some have even said that maybe if leipzig had a player like him already in the squad this year they could have maybe been ahead of bayern munich right because leipzig are underperforming in the xg and um, bayern munich because of robert Lewandowski are overperforming in the xg a little bit so um, maybe something to, to keep in mind for the next season, right? When when Leipzig have another striking uh, sensation in their squad and um, maybe can mount an even better challenge. Yeah, very exciting bit of news there. Um, yeah, he's a, a cup again, just like a, a young man we mentioned uh, earlier. He's got uh, bags of potential, doesn't he? Um, 
Manu, talking about uh, Bundesliga clubs and maybe purchases, well, there, there's talk that possibly one of the Bundesliga clubs would be purchased to a degree through uh, American investors. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, um, it's interesting. There's been a lot of rumblings in in the in you know investor circles that American investors are looking at the Bundesliga in general um, as the next big thing of investment drive and um, a very reliable source has mentioned to me that American investors and this investment includes a former US national team player is um, is looking at Alemannia Aachen um, curious how that's going to work out and then another source and these these two sources came independently to me and um, mentioned that Augsburg is being targeted by American investors. Now, we know we have the 50 plus one rule, um, but we also know because of the Hertha Berlin example, right, that you, there is some ways to kind of get a majority takeover of the, the football operations of a club and um, without having to break 50 plus one, right? So it will be interesting. I mean, Augsburg is an interesting one because like, they have a modern stadium. It's a very well-run club. Um, and I think, you know, it could serve as a good example for like an investment group to come in and kind of get a feeling for it. But it's the, the, the what I find really interesting in it is that it is multiple investors looking at multiple Bundesliga teams. And we always have this debate, what's going to make this league more attractive? What is going to make this league um, more competitive? And I think this could be it, you know, maybe investment from abroad. And the Bundesliga was given a wonderful platform on ABC this last weekend in the Classica, you know, being shown on on a big major American station with with some very strong numbers for the Classica as well. Um, a shout out to Milwaukee, Knoxville, and um, Albuquerque in New Mexico, who were apparently the three biggest markets for the Bundesliga. If you're listening to this podcast, welcome. Um, yeah, it's like exciting times, I think, for American investment in German football. Wow, yeah, that could be uh, very exciting for the league, couldn't it? Um, a, a bit of investment and yeah, maybe promote the league in, in different ways. And hey, I'm sure, Manu, you'll be able to tell us um, the, the scoops and the updates you know, as the uh, months go on. So um, yeah, we'll keep our eyes out for that one and keep listening and we'll update you when we can. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to finish off the podcast today and talk about the German national side. Uh, we had uh, Joachim Löw um, come out uh, this week and say that after the Euros, he's off. He, he's going to move on. So uh, Manu, what does this mean for the German national side? And obviously the question is, who's going to come in and replace him? Yeah, it's uh, kind of, is it harsh to say that this is good news, Bryce? I think it's overdue news. I don't think it's really something that, I mean, the, the, the timing was surprising because we didn't think he would do it this way, right? And do it himself. I think we all kind of expected him to do the Euros. And if he doesn't win the Euros, he will have to leave. And if he wins the Euros, he would leave because he's accomplished everything. Now it doesn't matter anymore. He's gone. You know, you, he will do the Euros. Um, he's kind of freed himself of the shackles of his own decision-making in many ways because now we also know that Hummels and... Uh, Müller are going to be recalled to the national team for the European Championships. That's pretty much set in stone now. And it's it's good for him because he could kind of free himself from his past decisions and he can now just focus on winning the tournament. The rebuild is no longer his problem, right? He's he's basically passing the ball down the hallway to whoever is going to take over next. And that's, a, that's an interesting question. Who's going to be next? I mean, 
My favorite was, uh, my favorite still is Jurgen Klopp. I want Jurgen Klopp to become national team coach of Germany. I recognize that it is probably too early for after the Euros. I think that he's probably going to take over after Qatar. Um, that begs the question, who's going to take over until Klopp is ready to take over? Because I think it will happen. I think Klopp will eventually become Germany's national team coach. Question is just of when, not if. So the, that means like who's going to take over. Rangnick, I think, was a perfect candidate um, to do it in the interim. But, you know, as we just said, it looks like Rangnick is going, has, a, has some options elsewhere and he could be the next man in Schalke, um, depending on how that works out. And I think that, you know, doesn't leave that many other candidates open. Hansi Flick is, is a potential candidate. Hasn't taken his head out of the running. I mean, he made comments in a way that could be interpreted either way. I saw some Twitter debates and fights from German journalists trying to interpret how Hansi Flick, Flick's words uh, were supposed to sound, whether that was a denial or um, maybe I'm willing to do it. And then um, there's Stefan Kunz, who is currently the, the U21 national team coach, and I think he could also do it. But yeah, I think... Um, Oliver Bierhoff, the director of sport of the DFB, has some work to do, Bryce, to find an alternative um, for Joachim Löw and maybe also Ralf Rangnick, who would have been a very good option, and um, find a coach who can take over until Jurgen Klopp is ready and willing to do the job. Yeah, interesting. Hey, that's a, that's another big bit of news that I'm sure we'll talk about once uh, once there's an announcement had. But uh, yeah, that, that more or less... Um, does it in the podcast uh, today from uh, Manu, Chris and myself. Uh, I think we've covered quite a lot, to be fair. But uh, enjoy the Champions League uh, midweek, the German teams uh, being involved. Uh, as I said, uh, Gladbach will be playing Man City on Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday night, then you've got Bayern Munich, which should really get through, shouldn't they? Good Lord. Uh, and then, yeah, Friday night game will start off uh, the weekend with Armenian Bielefeld versus RB Leipzig. So, uh, guys, be- before you know it, we'll be back. Um, but Thanks for tuning in. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.